Okay, so I'm here with Leslie Robinson, a British Marine CEO, who's very keen to clarify some of the points that I raised in my viewpoint column that was in January's issue of Baiting Business. And the points are with regards to the proposed amendments that are due to be discussed and voted on at an EGM on Thursday. So, Leslie, it seems that if the amendments are passed, anyone could be nominated for the position of chairman of the board, whether or not they're in the marine business. Is this actually the case? So, Katina, first of all, thank you. It's good to have the opportunity to address the questions that you raised in your editorial what the board and council of BM are proposing, it's to split the current president's role, both to address the current workload, which is not making it attractive to members to put themselves forward, but as importantly, it's to give the new president role more time to spend with council and to understand member issues, making sure that they're addressed at board level. So the president will remain a board member and office bearer, elected by council, and really better positioned track for our industry and on behalf of members and not undertaking the more sort of government uh, chairman of the board role. And this change will make the president role much closer to member issues and increase the comms, which is actually something that our members have been asking for. Council. Remains... So sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Leslie. I, I think we're aware of why the change is being proposed. Yep. But I think the question that concerns members is whether or not the new position that the person uh, that takes on the new role is going to be in the marine business or I not. I understand that. And I was just going on to say, okay. for the, the new chair role, which by the way is pro bono in nature, we're looking for an experienced chair. And our very clear preference is for he or she to be with from within membership. However, if we don't find an experienced candidate from within, then we were saying we will have to look outside the industry as chair experience is the key to allow for efficient decision making. Um, and if we have to go outside, then there's also the point, of course, that it may bring some fresh eyes into the board, perhaps for um, somebody with a background from another trade organisation. But as I say, the key point is that we would love to find somebody from within membership for the chair role. So people are still concerned, people I've spoken to, and I've spoken to quite a few, not just one or two. They are concerned that it's a position of authority and somebody making decisions for members, you know, especially if the amendments are passed. And the council will no longer ratify the decisions of the board or chairman. So do you not feel that somebody who hasn't got marine industry background, if it is somebody who hasn't got marine industry background, can properly represent your members? As I say, the, when we split the roles, if, that, if uh, the members vote that through, the president, who will be voted on now by council and not by the board, will still be part of the board. Also, don't forget our board are primarily members. We have a board of 13 strong. 11 of those are non-executive directors who are from the industry. So the role of the chair, if you like, is to direct the board. So voting takes place with those non-exec directors as I say, they are the strong majority and they are the voice of the members. Go back to the point, it'd be great to find someone within from within the industry, but we believe that strong representation on the board and make sure that members' views are properly represented. So, so just to clarify, who is actually going to make the appointment? Oh, that's, that's very easy. So to date, the president has been appointed by the board. So this new chair role will be appointed by the board, but the, the president role will actually now be appointed by council going forward. So that's the proposed change, Katina. Right. OK. And can you absolutely guarantee 
that payment is not going to be given to anyone on the board because that is a matter of concern, as say to, to many of the people I've spoken to. Um, uh, no, no non-executive director, board director gets any remuneration, and that is will be equally true for the chair going forward, Katina. Right, that, that's good to hear. That's that's reassuring. Good. Yeah. So and another point that uh, again, going back to members that I, I've spoken to, they are quite concerned that uh, the board is no longer going to require council's approval for any decision making on you know, many governing points. So what is actually going to be the case with that? Okay, so um, the change that is being made is if you like a tidying up exercise from the old co uh, governance code. So the responsibility, the statutory responsibility of the directors is to um, take those decisions on behalf of the business. It, and they're bound by that statutory legal responsibility. And nobody should take on the uh, directorship of a business that gives the ultimate decision-making to a body of people who aren't legally responsible. So doing so might expose council, make them liable for certain decisions by default. And that would make both board and council liable. And so the amendments that are actually required been identified and corrected by our lawyers. Um, so it's, it's a tidying up matter rather than anything else, Katina. Okay, because people have been just you know, very concerned that there's been a, um, a shrinking, if I can put it that way, of the number of committees and all that knowledge. And that they're just worried that the uh, decision making is not going to be made by a, 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 a quorum of members. Really interesting that feedback because don't forget, of course, that our council, who are made of members, made up of members, have voted for these resolutions already at their council meeting in November. But I'm not sure where we get the idea that we're not using the experience from our members. So all of our board and council members, there's all sorts of member member issues that get discussed at both of those, uh, which is really key. We find that it's absolutely. Um, I can't express it strongly enough, the two-way process of understanding what members want and what our council are telling, telling us is absolutely key. For example, uh, coming up soon, May the 3rd, we've got a council meeting where council are going to be inputting into the strategic direction of, of BM going forward. And that's incredibly valuable to the board. The old structure of BM committees has been replaced actually by some key working groups with specific purposes. So for example, at the minute, we've got one on around training. We have another one around SIBs, our key boat show. So we have all sorts of mechanisms for making sure that members um, give the direction on the key issues that we have. And long may we continue to do so. That, that all sounds very good, Leslie. And yeah, I'm just saying that people are still concerned. So experience not being used. Uh, well, all I can say is that we do communicate and the whole the whole purpose of having a council, which, as you know, is made up of the 20 or so chairs of the committees of the association who represent the members. That is the key communication channel. But we do, as you know, also communicate directly with e-shots and send out papers and so forth. We welcome the more effective we can get our communication with members, the better, because then we're really representing member in, uh, interests. I agree, Katina. It, it is absolutely fundamental. Yeah. Because another fact that uh, I raised in my viewpoint was the uh, board's access to the trust fund, also known as the rainy day fund. 
um, without council approval. Is, is this actually going to be the case? Because is it not members' money? So shouldn't the members have control over it? So it's an investment fund. It's what it actually should be properly called. Um, and it was actually, as I understand, it's before my time, but formed from surpluses created. Um, and it can only be controlled by the directors of the company. Uh, but what we do is we meet with a group of selected and highly experienced advisors that have always been referred to as trustees, uh, though the term is actually technically incorrect. And the board uses their advice to challenge the investment and to advise on its use. And similarly, council we go to council with updates um, at every meeting. And once a year, the investment manager talks to council direct and, and council are asked for input. So as such, you know, the board has two really fantastic sources of direction. But ultimately, given that the board takes legal responsibility, the board actually needs to make the final decision. Okay, fine. Thank you very much for explaining all of that. I, I think that clarifies the points that I raised in my column.